Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Other holidays. We love you all. How you doing? We're here. It's a special, quick episode of the B-Side. You're most likely listening from your home or your vacation away from your family, whatever you're doing. And where maybe you're with you're, the cranks. Maybe you could be having you Christmas with the crank. You'd be decking the halls. Yep. You're trying to survive Christmas. Yep. Um, either way, we know it's a gen. It's a, just a. It's an ice harvest out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alerts. We're talking about some of the movies we're going to be talking about today. We're going to do a quick kind of like best and worst recommends, do's and don'ts, holiday movies from Dan and Connor over at the B side. As you know, the B side is a podcast for the film stage where we talk about movies and not. And movie stars and movies, but not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones they made in between. Today, we're kind of going to turn a little left and talk about B-sidey holiday movies. So no exact movie star, more of a general genre of holiday movies. So there's no, we won't have a list. It's more recommendation based. Um, me and Connor were talking about, we just wanted to have a little episode to tide you over Mm-hmm. Uh, and just you know, wrap out the year. It'll be our. This will obviously be our last. Yeah, our last episode of 2019. What a year! Thanks yeah. for thanks for listening with us. It's been great to talk about a bunch of different movies, discover movies. Um, this will know. also be, I believe, our 40th episode. Whoa, so we're, yeah, we're, 40 now, baby. Yeah. So, all right. Like just to start, what's your favorite Christmas movie, Connor? Uh, Eyes wide shut. Okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eyes Wide Shut is my it, literally it, favorite I mean, movie. I, I would consider it a Christmas, it a Christmas movie, movie. You know? and 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 it, so if, in a technical sense, if we're talking about what my uh, my favorite movie, what, what is my favorite movie that is also a Christmas movie, it's probably Eyes Wide Shut. No, like one that I I uh, more to your point, one that I would visit around the holidays more. Um, hmm, I don't want to say Die Hard because that feels basic as shit, but. Um, um, I, I, I yeah, Die Hard's an easy one, which is weird to say now because I feel like you know, ten years ago it was a cool one. right. It was a very yeah, it was like a mine. Was like can a I tell you what mine there. is? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a Wonderful Life is obviously an easy one. It's to a do, staple, sure, but that's not mine. But I honestly think my favorite Christmas movie is Elf. I love not, not Elf. The, not the worst pick. Not over the years. I, I rewatched it. I rewatched it with Kelly last week. I'm just reminded it's so fun. It's so short. Mm-hmm. It's so it's such a great Will Ferrell performance. Yeah. It's so it, the premise is perfect. Like it's so digestible. It's so easy to like. You know who's really good in it too? Actually, Khan. James Khan's great, great in it. Zoe Deschanel's good in it. She does some singing. Right. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen's in it. You know, it just there's a lot there. John Favreau directed. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those. He was in his. He was in his he, element. Yeah. Another one that I dig a lot, actually. Um, Again, one of those, you know, I don't know if anybody would really debate this, though, because it's so pervasive in the movie itself. Uh, I tend to put Batman Returns on a lot sure. around the holidays. Yeah. Um, that's that's always that's a, a, good a, really, Chris, that's a, a good Christmas. A really nice one for me. But um, but yeah, I guess today we're just going to, you know, we're going to talk about little ones that, you know, maybe you don't think Lesser of known. necessarily. Um, and uh, we have two ones that we're going to kind of recommend. Yeah. Two weird ones. Yeah. Very weird ones. Um. The weirdest, well, you'd agree with me, I'm sure, Connor, sure. is, oh, man, so weird. <laughs> and let me make sure I get the title exactly right. Yeah. Because it is a weird title. I'm, I'm going to look it up right here. we go. Yeah, here we go. I got it right here. The Nutcracker and The Four Realms. Plural. Many A lot of realms. There are four. There are four. Yeah. Okay. 
This movie came out 2018. Like, this movie just came out. Yeah. You, I, I believe, as we're speaking, you can, you can watch this which, on Netflix. Which maybe, it's a Disney movie. It, what's weird about this movie... Budget between 120 and $140 million. You think that includes the reshoots? I think it does. I think that's why there's a range. Okay. Um, directed by Lassa Hallstrom and Joe Johnston. In a weird case, Lassa Hallstrom was directing. Joe Johnston directed the reshoots. And Lassa Hallstrom gave the allowed for Joe Johnson to be co-credited through the DGA with directing the movie, which does not usually happen, right? Yeah. When, you, when there are reshoots, whether it be, or even rewrites in, in the case of the WGA, the, the discussions, negotiations, what have you of who gets credit is way more, you know, traditionally original writers get a lot more credit. And when directing, it's even way more, you know, think about something like Rocket Man. Right. right. Or not Rob, sorry, uh, not Rocket Man. Bohemian, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, what is his name? Brian what? Well, it's actually, maybe we forget him forever. No, no, uh, Brian Singer. Brian Singer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brian Singer he leaves the movie, gets dismissed from yeah. the movie. And Dexter Fletcher finishes Bohemian Rhapsody. Dexter Fletcher goes on to also direct Rocket Man, right? Which is better. Which is a better movie, yeah. yeah. So in that case, Dexter Fletcher directs a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody, as we believe, yeah. right? Is as is reported. Sure. Um, Brian Singer has sole credit, right? This is just an example. Like it's hard once you start directing a movie, you get hired as a director per the union rules. It's hard to get basically ousted or to share credit. I think Lassa Hallstrom's willingness to allow it made it more easy. But in this case, Lassa Hallstrom and Joe Johnson share co-directing credit on The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, in which Johnson did a lot of reshoots. You got Keira Knightley. You got Morgan Freeman. You got Helen Mirren. You got the lead actress's name, who I'm going to look up right now. Mackenzie Foy. Mm -hmm. No relation to Claire Foy, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Two foys don't make it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you have Richard E. Grant is in it. You have... Um, is he? Yeah, he's one of... Oh, he's one of the... One of the other realm people. Other people of the realms. Okay. So this is based, of course, on the the ballet and the short story, the E.T.A. Hoffman short story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King, and the Marius Pepitpa? Honestly, I'm glad that you're the one that's doing this because when I. Tchaikovsky's, right? Tchaikovsky's, the Nutcracker. So it's kind of a combo. It's about a young girl who's gifted an egg from her dead mother and sets out on an adventure to unlock the egg and discover what's behind blah, 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 blah. And there's four realms and she, it's, it's and a she's lot sort like of, it's Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And she's sort of, uh, you know, uh, propelled forward by Morgan Freeman. Who's her, you know, she looks at as her uncle. Inventor uncle. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a eye patch in this movie. He's yeah. not in much of it. So this movie's kind of insane, right? It's not very long, right? It's a, it's a, it's about 90 or so minutes mm-hmm. before credits. There's a lot of credits. This movie yep. basically ends at the 90 minute mark. Um, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it came out and nobody it didn't make a lot of money. I, I see 174 is its total gross worldwide. I can guarantee you it lost money after all the marketing costs get, uh, uh, you know, factored in. And it just, I think, was 
Who remembers it? It came out a year ago. Yeah. I mean, it, well, came, it was a Christmas movie that I, nobody saw. It came I out think, in October, late October, early November. I think film Twitter maybe remembers this movie just for, but for exactly the reasons we're talking about, like, because it is just this bizarre thing that happened. Um, and I, I will say, I think that it, um, if it was longer than 90 minutes, I wouldn't be as kind to this movie. Um, I think it's relatively breezy. I don't find this movie particularly compelling, but I find it fascinating. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, like just like, to watch it. Yeah, is so it is. Crazy. It does look good. Like the production design in this movie is interesting, and there are moments in it that, to me, felt reminiscent of like, you know, of like the better work in like Terry Gilliam's career, right? Like it, 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 there are a lot of like weird bizarre yeah. fun things reminded me also there's a scene in the middle where misty copeland the amazing real life dancer yeah plays the ballerina princess and just has this i mean i'm a, it's a little annoying the way they cut the scene because yeah. you just want there to be no cuts and watch yeah. misty copeland do an amazing routine that being said it's still amazing to watch her dance among this amazing set and production design so and that's that the I way like. they choose to sort of lay out the the, the, story of the, the story of the story of the forum. So there's, I mean, there's like some interesting, uh, there's some like interesting inspired filmmaking in, in this, you know, like for instance, the idea of, you know, in the story, the rat King, you know, there's a rat King in the, in the movie. It is a literal rat King. Cause it is this giant rat that's made out of mice. It's like super gross, but like, but like interesting to look at and, you know, um, but as uh, as Clara Mackenzie Foy is sort of taken through this world of the four realms, the fourth realm uh, is has sort of been banished. The land of amusement. Yes, from the other three realms. Um, and she's given a chore by Kira Knightley, who plays the Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah, who I think truly is, inspired. Yeah, I, think I will say, good. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, and you have to almost get to the end to fully appreciate the performance, but. I was in. I was yeah. in for Kira. And it just it. and she she puts on this voice that's like insane and it's great and I will put a little bit of it right here. Sugar Plum? Who's Mother Ginger? Well, she used to be a regent, just like me and Hawthorne and Shiver. She was the regent of the land of But now she is banished. Why was she we had no choice, Clara. She tried to take control of the other realms by force. But when her evil intentions became clear, even her own people deserted her. And her realm fell to ruin. Oh, that's so tragic. See? Trey, tragic. But things are looking up now that you're here, dear Clara. Come, it's time to put your mind at and now you heard it and it is insane and no i think she's actually pretty good i think i would even venture to say she's probably the best part about this movie maybe and just i want to say this Jaden fawara knight plays captain philip hoffman who's kind of like the it's a nice soldier it, it's a you nice know why he's named philip hoffman no in honor of philip super hoffman really yes sir i was gonna guess as a joke i but yes, that's sir. the yes, real sir. truth okay yeah. um so suffice it to say if it's still on streaming, give it a watch. Maybe 
we we don't want to promote drug use on this show, but in a world where marijuana continues to be legalized in different states, I would say if you have an occasion to be in that mindset, this is the this is yeah. maybe a movie where that would be it nice. It would work. Yeah. I would just it simply would, say it that. It would work quite well. Um I think the uh, I believe uh I believe uh, what is his name? Why can I not think of his name? Matthew McFadden. No, no. Richard, He's uh, yeah. Eugenio Derbez. <laughs> No, 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 the composer, uh, James Newton Howard. Yes. Uh, he does the score for this movie. Uh, and But but it's one of those things that, like, of course, the score is best when he's just Doing using Tchaikovsky. Right. Like, he's yeah, just yeah, using yeah. the music from the Nutcracker, which is obviously some of the best Christmas movie ever made. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it's definitely worth a watch. Like I said, I, I think the 90-minute runtime helps that a lot. Like, it's yeah. it moves pretty well, pretty breezily. Um now just getting to our second recommend that's nearly as weird but much better, better and yeah. shorter actually yes is the ice harvest which came out 2005 and was harold ramus's second to last director which is effort, really which i wish it was just yeah last. he directed really... year one like a few years after and of course uh, harold ramus has since passed the ice harvest is a crime comedy Starring John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton and Connie Nielsen. And it takes place in Wichita Falls in the middle of America. And it's basically about a mob lawyer, John Cusack, who conspires with a shitty criminal whose yeah. name is Vic, right? Yep. And who's Billy Bob Thornton. And they conspire to steal a couple million dollars from the mob boss who John Cusack shills for, essentially. Yeah. And the movie opens, they have stolen the money, right? So the whole movie is about days before Christmas or like the day before Christmas. No, it's, I, I believe it's Christmas. Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's yeah, I think Christmas it goes Eve. into Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are planning their getaway. But of course, a ice storm has come into town and has de- forced the delay of their getaway. So they are forced to stay in Wichita Falls and try to navigate, you know, their forced partnership. They don't trust each other. John John Cusack is not, even though he's a criminal, but in that he's a mob lawyer, he's not a criminal in the sense of doing crime like against other criminals, yeah. right? So Billy Bob Thornton is treating him like an idiot, and there's there's like I said, there's no trust. Meanwhile, John Cusack has a crush on a local bar owner, manager, strip club, strip owner, club yeah. owner, who's Connie Nielsen in a pretty fun role. Yeah. Randy Quaid shows up for a second as the mob boss towards the end or t- halfway through the movie. Oliver Platt gives an all-timer performance. He is the MVP of this movie, I think. And He's I great. honestly think I love this movie because of a John Cusack monologue that he gives mm-hmm. sitting at a red light, I think with Oliver Platt, where he talks about the uselessness of, of life and yeah. like of 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 effort which i mean is so cynical and this whole movie is so cynical but maybe if connor will do us the holiday gift we'll put put it right here i tell you my father was a twin identical fraternal looked a lot alike though my uncle different temperaments completely my father he's a cop by the book guy believed in the law wanted his only son to be a lawyer Drank in moderation, didn't smoke, kept up his life insurance premiums, voted in every election, not just for president. Let me guess. Uncle didn't vote. He said he didn't want to encourage the bastards. 
in and out of jail from the time he was 16, drunk all the time, fucked everything that walked. Won a fortune playing poker, lost it all the same way. Lost an eye in a fight, half his life. So what you're trying to say is, you take after your uncle. <laughs> I wasn't finished. My father was 54 when he died of a massive embolism right here in Wichita. My uncle died the very next day in a car wreck in California. So the point is, it is futile to regret. You do one thing, you do another. I mean, so what? What's the difference, same result? How many of these lights are you gonna sit through? See if I tell you another fucking story. Love that speech. Yeah, it's great. And it's, I think there's something also to like, uh, Cusack's great at, at moments like that as an actor, I think. Um, 100%. I mean, you think of, you think of like gross point blank, yep. you know, in a similar vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, uh, it, I, I, my brain, and maybe it's also because of the rainy, whatever atmosphere of the movie, but my brain always, go, like, when I see that speech, uh, goes to, the moment in identity when he describes like his backstory where he, you know, there's a woman who committed suicide. I can't think of one good reason to, to, she she basically asks him, he's a hostage negotiator and she asks him if he doesn't want her to jump. And she asks him for one good reason for her not to. And he can't think of right. He like hesitates for like a split second because he just couldn't think of anything. It's a very, it's a similar kind of vein of a thing. Yeah. That's another great. Uh, Yeah. And he's, I don't know. He's, he's good at that shit. Um, also, I mean, Billy Bob Thornton in this movie is, Oh, he's perfect. Yeah. I mean, this is like one of those, Billy Bob Thornton is one of those actors and we're going to hopefully focus on him in his own episode in 2020. But he is one of those actors, when he hones in on a role, it's hard to think of anybody else doing it. He has so specifically yeah. that thing he does. Yeah. You know, Bat Santa being it, like another good Christmas movie. And actually. you could maybe, I mean, you can look at it as as maybe a limited range or whatever, but it, who cares? Like, it's so, no, yeah. he's so perfect for certain parts that he, that he gets placed into. This being one of them, there's a really amazing... Uh, there, there is this sort of heavy that has been sort of stalking them throughout the night, showing up at places that they're at and all that. Um, and uh, and Cusack sort of after going on this misadventure with Oliver Platt, who's essentially just like plastered through the fucking yeah, and who duration has, of the movie. And who's like who's John Cusack's best friend who has proceeded to marry John Cusack's ex-wife yeah but this is a funny thing where they're still friends friends even yeah. though like oliver platt reveals to him in the movie that they were having sex, sex while they were still while married they were, while John Cusack was yeah and it's it's so good and ah, platt's just, just a, it's a it's a pitch pitch dark comedy yes, right? i mean you like, know and, and nobody saw it you know and it came out yeah. and you know nobody gave a shit about i it. can't even imagine i mean because the other thing too is like I, I i would imagine people who don't like this movie might not like it for exactly those reasons. And I frankly don't know if I could blame that. Like this is a seedy, it's a seedy, bitter movie. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I might be, you know, putting much, putting too much on to people here, you know, on a, on a general level, but I do think 
Well, you, you know, Bad Santa is a great threading of the needle, right? Where it's so cynical about the holidays, but it's through the lens of this like perfect rendered Billy Bob Thornton character. It probably explains why the ice harvest got made, right? Only sure. a couple years later because, yeah. you know, Billy Bob Thornton, you know, so, but the difference is like the fact that he's Santa adds a level of like, playfulness sure right you know and, i mean it's and, also just more of an outright and, comment and it ultimately yeah and it's ultimately yeah. more redeeming right like there's a lot in bad santa even though he's such a degenerate what have you at its core it's yeah. actually it is more of a holiday movie this is straight up like this movie hates christmas and all the yeah. characters in the movie hate christmas and like it's lit and designed to have no colors, right? Like yeah. it's not red and green, you know, there's not any of that. Like, and if it's there, it's it's desaturated. It doesn't even find, you know, it doesn't even you know, do it's the, the ice thing. harvest, it's not the snow harvest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's 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 um it doesn't even do the thing that, you know, uh even frankly, you know, Eyes Wide Shut does. Like if we want or Carol, right? If we want to talk about like non-Christmas Christmas movies, yeah. right? Like those movies uh, still bask in the light of Christmas yes, as like a yes. visual thing. And this movie wants to... It rebels no against it. Yeah, it, it wants yeah. nothing to do with any of that. And we should know um, this screenplay is written by Richard Russo, who wrote Empire Falls and is a great, great writer. And I think he also wrote Nobody's Fool. And Robert Benton, who's a great director, directed Kramer versus Kramer, a few other good movies you've probably heard of, a few bad movies too, but talented guy. They co-wrote the screenplay. So it's just another one of these. I mean, look, we talk, we talk about this all the time with B-Sides. A lot of talented people made this thing. Nobody gave a shit about it. And I just think it's funny because this is one of those things. I truly believe this is like a hidden gem. Yeah. If this sounds like your cup of tea, and like Connor's saying, if it doesn't, don't watch it. Okay. But it's short. It's the opposite of sweet. It's got the perfect. I love the last shot of this movie. Yes. It's, it's great. so great. And there's there, actually uh, alternate a, an alternate ending that's... Do you think it's better or worse without giving it away? Uh... I think it's maybe better. It kind of it, the alternate ending, which I and I I say alternate because I think it's the original ending. Like, I, think I think that I think it is the, the ending that got because it, it was just yeah, so, yeah yeah. The original ending is just I, I won't spoil anything about no, the no. movie. It's just the original ending is way more in line with the the like, rest of the movie, the middle finger tone of yeah. this movie for yeah, sure. Exactly. Um. So that there's that I'll say this and it's, I, I mean, it they, they sort of go hand in hand. If you're like a fan of, um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's work in, uh, the first season of Fargo, it's, this is kind of in line with that. I th this in general kind of does feel like maybe, uh, seemingly a little indebted to something like the Coens would do. Um, they would maybe punch it up a little bit with like, uh, Maybe a little bit more playfulness. And let me correct myself. The city is Wichita. It's not Wichita Falls, but there's a line in this movie where they say, as Wichita Falls, so falls Wichita Falls. No, it is Wichita Falls. Is okay. That's the whole thing. So Wichita Falls. Oh. And then Wich and then Wichita Falls. Uh, oh God, there's a great, there's a great moment in the movie. Uh I believe it's the name of it's like that's like the name of an album or something. Uh, like a, either a country or a folk album or something. And that's where that's where it was taken from. But there it's scribbled on the bathroom wall in um, in Connie Nielsen's strip club. And John Cusack goes in there to, to use it, reads it. And then the heavy that's been tracking him down goes in there after him. Uh, doesn't know that he's been there, but goes in to use the restroom. 
reads it and then is just like the fuck does that even mean like he, like whereas john cusack sees it as something kind of profound uh and and fun fact connie nielsen uh her character she plays a ve- i mean she it's a fun ro- yeah she's based she's a very basic femme fatale um and she definitely has fun with it it was written for i don't know if it was written for but it was originally going to be played by uh monica belushi but then she was pregnant um which uh i'm curious to see what that would have been like what what she would have done with that performance but um but yes she was pregnant and could not do it um i randy quaid showing up i i I like he's really good in it he no he is and there's something I've always felt there's something obviously immediately unlikable about Randy Quaid for the most part. So it's super effective casting because he just shows up and you're like, oh, just fucking fucking, this fucking guy. Um, But yeah, I I don't know if there's too much more to go in. No, I mean, check it out. If that sounds interesting, check it out. Totally, totally worth it. A strong Christmas holiday beast I recommend. I think before we we, we go, we're just going to talk about a couple of lesser holiday movies i have this theory that i kind of wanted to bring up which is so elf comes out in 2003 and is a huge hit like right like a big monster hit almost precedes the surprise monster hit that is iron man right like favreau kind of did that twice yeah people forget like you know i think everyone was excited for elf and it was will ferrell's like big star making movie same year as old school but it was oh my god it it was was, way bigger than people thought yeah that movie i mean elf made a ton of money yeah, and then obviously, like I said, five years later, Favreau basically does it kind of in a similar way with Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. And has the yeah, I mean, and to your point, I, well, I, now he's on another level. Yeah, like now he's just he's Disney Factory, you know, whatnot, Mandalorian, and you know, and, and all that stuff. Somebody told me recently, actually, uh, and I didn't know this. I don't know if you did, but I just thought this was fascinating in, in terms of John Favreau uh, that he everything he's had to do for all the movies he's been making, he then forms little shops. That like do those things. Interesting. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak out of school here. I just thought this was sort of an interesting little nugget. So I don't know how specific this is. I don't know if he like copyrights these things or trademarks them or whatever, but he forms these like little tech shops that do them. So it's like if you want Tony Stark, Iron Man holograms in your movie, he has a group of like visual Ah. effects dudes that like will do that and do it amazingly. And like, it's an interesting way he's like started to amass. I mean, he's become his own little business. Yeah. And it's, uh, I I don't know. It's, I, I I had never heard of this, so I'd be curious to see like how common it is. Yeah. And, and, and and frankly, I mean, you know, well, it's kind of the Robert, I mean, it's the Robert Rodriguez school of, and if you watch that show where the chef show where, which me and Kelly watched, which is like, John Favreau's show, yeah, you know, referencing his own movie chef, where he basically bops around the country, not unlike the movie chef, and talks to friends, and yeah. that's the show where Gwyneth Paltrow was like, "Oh, I was in Spider Man." I don't know that's that yeah. show. He has an episode with Robert Rodriguez, and he basically talks about Robert Rodriguez in becoming friends with Robert Rodriguez, like learning. Oh shit, this guy's doing everything like at his house. Like, what, what, yeah, like, we should do. And like, it- it's and being a, inspired by it. Yeah, and it's like the more granular version of uh of you know what what uh James Cameron and George Lucas did, right? Where it's like Lucas made the Star Wars movies and then you know parlayed that into ILM right, and, the whole world, and yeah. uh Skywalker Ranch and Skywalker yeah, and Sound. Lightstorm and James Cameron. Yeah. So um, the ones that I want to bring up post Elf. So Elf is a huge hit, and I think what you get is you get movies after that not necessarily I and mean, one was definitely not made after Elf, but you can see the hope that some of the elf dust would be sprinkled off of it. 
There's this movie, Surviving Christmas. It came out in 2004, but it basically got made like almost two years before. It was slated for a Christmas 20, uh, 2003 release. It's a Ben Affleck movie. And I was fat. I was always and have always been fascinated by, and we'll do this one day yeah, for the B-side. We have to. The downfall of Ben Affleck period in the early 2000s of Ben Affleck, right? So basically Armageddon, Goodwill Hunting, you know, Shakespeare in Love in a nice little role, Pearl Harbor. He's booming, right? Yeah, ben Affleck's star. one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And then it, I don't know if anybody has had a fall. I mean, I'm sure there's some people, but a huge fall from grace in a row where it's from 02 basically to Oh six, it's like flop after bomb after flop after bomb. You have stuff like, of course, Geely is the one you think of, mm-hmm. but then stuff like Paycheck, the John Woo action thriller, yeah, um, Jersey Girl, the Kevin Smith movie, which where J Lo's in it for at least a little bit, Liv Tyler, and then Surviving Christmas is like the one that gets forgotten, but that gets pushed to twenty to two thousand and four. Was supposed to come out two thousand and three, but they didn't want it to compete with the 2003 thriller Paycheck, which also was a bomb. And the joke was made like, oh, the title is the answer to why Ben uh, uh, Affleck did this movie. Paycheck. Right. Uh, um, which is like, change the title of the movie. Yeah, like, how no, do you not? You're yeah. sort of asking. It's for one it. of many Philip K. Dick, like, uh, adaptation movies. Yeah. Not, you know, you have your Blade, for every Blade Runner or Minority Report, you have a Paycheck. Sure. Um, Skinner Darkly is good, though. Yeah. Surviving Christmas is literally a rich asshole piece of shit branding agency guy goes to his childhood home and like this therapeutic thing because his girlfriend breaks up with him or whatever and pays the family that's now living there hundreds of thousands of dollars to just pretend to be his family that's the premise of the movie what that's the premise of the movie and james (laughs) gandolfini and Catherine o'hara are the parents um, this kid who you would know, Josh Zuckerman, I think he was in Sex Drive. I think he's the kid in Sex oh, okay. Drive. He's pretty funny. He's the brother, quote unquote. Yeah. And then Christina Applegate shows up as the sister, but of course, that's a romance, right? right. And it's like he's such a bad, annoying person. That's the whole movie. I re I rewatched this movie what for this. What kind of a monstrous sociopath? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what does it take? And the movie, and the movie <laughs> tries to, of course, because it's a Christmas movie, it like, tries to redeem him with his past and his like fractured childhood. And you're like, uh, no, 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 no past. This guy can't do this. Like, yeah. what is this movie? Oh. It is, I, that's all I'm going to say about yeah, it. It's directed by Mike Mitchell, who um, I think the best movie Mike Mitchell directed was Sky High. Oh, okay. Which yeah, I like movie. Sky High. So, you know, he's made yeah. good stuff, but um, Surviving Christmas is just, you, you You cannot imagine how crazy that movie is. Now, the other two I wanted to bring up, so I've, I've, as I'm saying, Elf came out in 03, this comes out, this comes out in 04. There's two movies that came out in 06, and these feel directly like buoyed by Elf, which is Deck the Halls, starring... Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. This was the only one when you mentioned you were doing all these. I this was the one, the only I, one you remembered. I, no, no, I truly do not remember. Oh, okay, like, and then Christmas with the Cranks. They both came out in, I believe, the fall slash winter. Yeah, of oh, I'm sorry, let me correct myself. Christmas with the Cranks came out in 04 along with Surviving Christmas. Okay, Deck in the halls is 06. Regardless, Christmas with the Cranks 
is directed by Joe Roth, who is mostly known as a producer. He made movies like he directed movies like Freedom Land and stuff like that. Sure. But he's mostly a producer. He directed this movie. It's based on a John Grisham book called Skipping Christmas, which I have read. And I liked, it's like a little novella where it's like a family on a street where they love Christmas. They decide to skip Christmas because their daughter goes off to college and the whole neighborhood's like, what? Yeah. You're not celebrating Christmas this year? And so that's 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 what this movie is, Christmas with the Cranks. It's called Christmas with the Cranks instead of being called Skipping Christmas because there's another movie coming out in 2004 and that movie was called surviving christmas and so they had to change it to christmas christmas with the cranks it's tim allen christmas ja- with the cranks is a better title. jamie lee curtis and it's similar it's like it's like a sitcom thing where it's weird with some of these holiday movies where it's like nobody acts like a human being it's like everything yeah. is so broad and so lifted and so high it's like dan Aykroyd's in it he's like this neighbor he's like you're not gonna put up your you're not going to put up your snowman this year? And like, right. it's like a whole thing. It's and isn't there a scene crazy. where they're like all outside the house and like Tim Allen's at work and Jamie Lee Curtis calls him because Aykroyd and like the other neighbors are like outside being like basically just like telling them to like bring out their frosty yeah. uh, inflatable. Yeah, and it, becomes like a, it becomes like a riot, like a, like a, it's, yeah, there's a million things like that. Insane. So here's the thing. And then Deck the Halls is literally Danny DeVito moves across the street from Matthew Broderick, who's like runs the Winterfest in his neighborhood. Matthew Broderick does. And Danny DeVito is this like car salesman who decides he wants to make his mark in the world by lighting up his house so much that you can see it from space. That's the premise. That's the premise of the movie. And Kristen Chenoweth is his wife. And Kristen Davis is um, Matthew Broderick's wife. And... It's I don't know what's the worst of these movies. I was trying to think about. It. I think I put them all at one and a half stars on Letterbox. I was trying to think what's the worst. I think the best is Christmas with the Cranks. Ugh. And I think <laughs> the worst, the disgust in your general. I, I would have said the worst was Surviving that. Christmas, but Christina Applegate has a couple funny moments. In, yeah, you know, Christina Applegate alone is like worth two stars. Sure. she's so good. And you got I Gandolfini and O'Hara. Yeah, at least. I, I don't know. Gandolfini apparently hated that set. I'm I was sure. reading about it. He like refused to go to set before rewrites were done. The whole thing. I'm gonna say it's Deck the Halls because of this. There's a moment in in Deck the Halls where finally the rivals Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito are bonding and they're watching these dancers at the Winterfest doing like a sexy dance and they're showing their behinds and you can't see their faces and they're doing the dance and Danny DeVito and Matthew Broderick bond over like cat calling the girls on stage and like yeah who's your daddy who's your daddy and then they turn around and it's their daughters oh and Matthew Broderick's like I'm your daddy oh god I feel terrible and it's like that would they use that in trailers like that was like the big joke in the trailer I remember for Deck the Halls yeah. that's the level of what we're talking uh. about yeah yeah, the thing with Christmas with the Cranks, and I think I said this to you when you were when you were watching it, but like, is that I I I feel like if you make it less broad, you can like like that concept on paper well, the for book, a Christmas movie. The book is cute, like the yeah. John Grisham book is cute, right? So it's obviously to your point, you're right. I mean, you can you, there can be there can exist media, and and like and, you can make you know, like a funny, just a funny commentary on like not even just Christmas, like the Ameri- obviously Christmas America and Christmas, and like just the, living in the suburbs yeah. and the nature of how petty people can be with weird well, shit like that. And like, the impetus, yeah. the impetus for their whole skipping Christmas is 
he, he like runs the numbers. Tim Allen runs the numbers. And this is like a perfect Tim Allen vehicle, obviously. Sure. It's a little weird. Jamie the Curtis is like kind of shoehorned into a weird role you wouldn't expect her to be in. But anyway, um, he like crunches the numbers and he realizes they spend so many thousands of dollars on all the Christmas bullshit. And he's like, we could go on a cruise for this. And, that, and that's what they want yeah, to do. Which makes perfect no, sense. No, <laughs> so that, to your point, that, that nugget is interesting. Yeah. But of course, it's so broad and like they go get tans and he's like... He, 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 it's a, he, all this stuff like just yeah. goofy stuff so i don't know is there anything you have like that any like weird naked i don't know any weird b-sidey like christmas holiday, cra- i mean eight crazy nights the adam sandler animated movie yeah it's one is a weird one yeah i brought that up briefly on the on the sandler pod um no i mean i don't know for me like i Prancer never from the <laughs> 90s um no, I, I like for me, Christmas movies themselves were never really in heavy rotation. Um, I think I was always just more drawn to like, uh, you know, certain things around Christmas would be like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Like, like I, they, they would be like movies that were, you know, the way people argue diehards or not argue. I mean, it is a Christmas movie, but yeah. like, like, you know, Shane Black movies and things like right. that, like uh, particularly as I was, as yeah, like, Lethal like, Weapon. Yeah, that was actually, yeah, that that's a great Christmas. Yeah, movie. The Lethal Weapon was actually always kind of on, and and then Long Kiss Goodnight. I mean, all of his movies, recent are, rotation. Yeah, um, is Nice Guys Christmas? No, no, I don't think so. I have, we can double Iron check. Man Someone could correct us. Iron Man Three is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of the Shane Black ones. I mean, The Predator is too. That's uh, yeah, I didn't see The Predator. Oh, I've seen it. It's. Yeah. Uh, not a good Christmas movie. Also, not a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I think um, for me, like I, w- one thing I actually would always, always found on was the Twilight Zone Christmas episode, uh, five characters in search of an exit. Oh, um, I love that episode. Yeah, and and it's but it's great. great. They're just in this like That's purgatorial like chamber. Uh, yeah. that they're trying to get out it's like a pit and uh and it's you know it's like a clown and a soldier like jean paul sartre with consumerism yeah Beautiful. it's uh really just keen and smart and let's end uh, with that watch that episode yeah, five that's better than search of an exit surviving christmas yeah. Th- there's another one called christmas. night of the meek uh which is about a guy who finds santa claus's bag classic um which is kind of a good one um yeah oh my god noel <laughs> oh yeah i watched it for this disney plus disney movie well they're trying to do elf with anna kendrick yeah and it just doesn't hit i i am sad to report it just does not hit they're trying to do i mean it's literally she is santa claus's daughter they're noel noel yeah. claus like they're trying to do it she has to save christmas she has to go to the regular world she she can't conform she doesn't understand why people do these things and it's just like it doesn't have the Will Ferrell performance. Anna Kendrick is fine. It just doesn't have that energy. Yeah. And you're just like, no, no, well, no. L. And you got Bill Hader in it too. Yeah, right? but he's phoning it and he's yeah. not in a lot of it. And he's kind bummer. of, he's, a, he's good. He has like two funny, I mean, he's great, but I mean, Bill Hader is great. But in this movie, he's kind of sidelined, you know, it's yeah. not. That's Billy Eichner is in it, and you would think it's also a lot like Fred Claus, which is another fucking weird, weird B side. Yeah. It's, so it has a Fred Clausy element where like Billy Eichner's like the bad cousin Claus who's right. like trying to like Amazon-ify Christmas. But Billy Eichner's got such personality and such 
you know, like zest. Yeah. And he none of it. Like they direct it out of him. And it's so weird. Like I was Is watching that even with, possible? I was watching <laughs> it with Kelly, and Kelly was actively angry watching it because she was like, Why is Billy Eichner in this movie? And like down, like I don't understand yeah. why this is happening. Like he he'll He'll make side commentary that you'll be like, oh my God, Billy Eichner, there he is, and it'll go away. And it's even weirder that he's like the best part of the new Lion King. You know, he, yeah, his yeah, cutting yeah. humor is really one of the only kind of semi-fresh things about the Lion I, King remake. Yeah, I mean, I think it. it's funny because I just wonder if the same amount of of any kind of energy if, if i'd be curious to see how much energy anybody puts into these movies because to me anytime i see these large scale christmas movies come out holiday movies come out uh it all it feels like everybody involved phones it in because it's yeah. like a movie that has an automatic spot needs to get made right not obviously theatrically anymore like now these things live on netflix and Disney right. plus and whatever and you have your you know, Holiday Daddy and in uh, what's his name, Kurt Russell and right Christmas yeah, Chronicles. Yeah, and so um, there's also Claws on Netflix now. The animated movie Claws, pretty good. Right, there's also Claws, the show on TNT. TNT, watch yep. out. And um, one, one, and we can wrap after this. One that I like is I think it's an Ardman movie, Arthur Christmas. I like that movie. Oh, I don't think I ever. Yeah, saw that's a good. One. One. I think James McAvoy does the voice. That's oh, a fun that's movie. nice. All right. And anyway, else, happy holidays. Yeah. Happy Hope you're holidays, enjoying your time with your family or not. Ho, ho, ho. Hope you got good gifts. And uh, yeah, we'll see, see you. In yeah, we'll see you in 2020. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at TFSB side. Uh, we will in 2020 officially be on our own feed uh, solely. So you can catch us there. You can follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh and uh, on that feed, actually, I keep forgetting to do this, but on that feed is uh, is also our whole backlog of older episodes that you yeah. may have already listened to, but maybe you haven't. Maybe you're new check to it. Check them out. So check them out. We got a lot of really good ones. Dan, do you have a, now that we've sort of closed our full year of the B-sides, do you have a favorite one we've oh, done? Oh, God. Um, I really like the Leo one. I love the Pierce one. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan, that was just like a more random, you Fascinating. know, it's not a full movie. So, you know, it was interesting to kind of talk about him. Um, we mentioned Charlize. We just recorded another episode with our good friend Katie, uh, Katie Clark Gray. Uh, love the Charlize episode. I mean, I've liked all, the Kevin Costner episode was great too. Yep. It's been a ride. Yeah. We've, we've got a lot of good ones. I like the Brad Pitt one. Brad Pitt one's good. Yeah. Um, I, every time, every time, every time I talk to Corey Everett, who sure. is the creator of Cinephile. Julie Mecca. Game, Julie Mecca, my mom. Favorite guest. Yeah. Meg Ryan. That was a good one. But yeah. Check them out. It's been They're a great year. You. So just Thanks shout out to everybody who's been a part of it and thank you. And uh, we'll keep going in 2020. We got some cool stuff coming up. And uh, until then, have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year from us at the B-Side. 